Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. Thank you so much for subscribing to this channel. Please make sure that you like the video you've just watched and consider making a contribution on our app or on our website. It's really easy to do. And thank you in advance for that support. It does make a difference. So we are beginning an exploration of spiritual integrity in our world. And the ideas that we're going to be looking at are, are ideas that are built around a somewhat less known teaching of Mahatma Gandhi. Most of us are aware of the very famous words of his that we are to be the change we wish to see in the world, right? That we are to be the change that we wish to see in the world. He taught many great ideas, many very deep and spiritual concepts. I think he was one of the most forward-thinking and deeply spiritual beings in, in our lifetime and for, for a long time, actually. He had a teaching, an idea, that he called the seven ills of society. And he felt that these seven ills needed to be healed spiritually. And if they were healed spiritually, the world, our society, our human family, would be transformed. I first became aware of his teaching of these seven ills in a book that I'll also be pulling from. It's this book here by Eknath Iswaran called The Compassionate Universe. Are any of you familiar with, with his work? Just one, one or two of you. So one of the things about Eknath Iswaran, he passed in 1999, but he was um, an Indian man. He taught at university in India. He was awarded a Fulbright Scholar that brought him to the US. He taught at a couple of universities, but landed most permanently at UC Berkeley. And he is credited with being the first person to offer a, in a public university a four-credit class in 1968 on meditation. 1968 on meditation. And he was deeply influenced by Gandhi. He met Gandhi, deeply influenced by him, and wrote about these seven ills of society. And what we're going to be doing in our exploration of these seven ills is we're actually going to flip them so that they're no longer ills, but they are aspirational goals for for us. And so the seven ills that Gandhi wrote about are these. Knowledge without character, service without humanity, wealth without work, commerce without morality, politics without principles, pleasure without conscience, and worship without self-sacrifice. Gandhi felt that these were the things that contributed to a society that wasn't working well. And we can scale it back, not just to a society, because what is a society but the extension of our individual units of a family, right? 
right? And we can pull it back and we can say not only can we identify these as ills of the larger human family, but even of our organizations, our communities, and perhaps our families as well. And Gandhi, like many spiritual teachers and leaders, believed that the only way we were really going to get at the deep problems of our world and the deep problems of us as individuals was to approach them spiritually. And when I think about that way of approaching difficulties in life, it suggests to me really getting at the root of whatever is the issue or whatever is the problem, not just dealing with that on a surface level and making it look nice for a while, but really saying, how do we get underneath and get to the first causes of the things that are causing us to not be able to live with a greater sense of peace and in a world that really works for everyone, leaving no one and nothing behind. So each week we're going to look at these seven ills, but we're going to flip them. And so today we're looking at the idea of knowledge with character. So that say that with me. Knowledge with character. And for just a moment, just ask yourself privately, when you think of the word knowledge, what do you think about? What is knowledge to you? And when you think about character, what does that mean to you? What does character mean to you? What does knowledge mean to you? And you know, one of the dangers when we look at somebody like a Gandhi for inspiration or a Jesus or a Buddha for, for inspiration, we might be inclined to think, well, those are exceptional people. And yes, and they are. But the powerful thing is they also felt that we are exceptional, that we have exceptional power within us, exceptional capabilities within us. And they really didn't set themselves apart from us, but instead invited us perhaps to look at the way that they moved through life, the way that they dealt with issues, the way that they thought about life, to look along with them rather than to set them apart. Gandhi said, I claim to be an average man of less than average ability. I have not the shadow of a doubt that any man or woman can achieve what I have if he or she would make the same effort and cultivate the same hope. I think he's right. And I think that it's an invitation to us to stretch a little bit further from where we are. I have no doubt, because you're here, you make the effort to either tune in, and those of you in this room make the extra effort to get out and be here in person. I have no doubt that you care about our world, that you care about growing and evolving into being the very best version of yourself that you can be. And what I suggest for you and for myself is, and what if we amp that up just a little bit more? What if we say of ourselves, where in this idea of knowledge with character can I grow? Where can I expand? When I'm using the word knowledge, I'm using it not just to refer to intellectual 
knowledge or to academic knowledge, but really to wisdom. And that, to me, is present in every single one of us. But sometimes, in order to access it, we have to get underneath the chatter of the mind and underneath the messages of our culture that sometimes are really distorted and sometimes really problematic, that we have to make the time and the effort to get underneath that to access this innate knowingness, this innate wisdom. And so whether we are talking about the world and the human family or our own families, what we're looking at is starting with ourselves. It always starts with ourselves. Remember the song from Michael Jackson, Man in the Mirror? Right? It's, I'm taking a look at the man in the mirror. That's where I'm starting. That's where I'm starting. So knowledge with character, well, first of all, knowledge without character can be harmful. Knowledge without character can be manipulative. Knowledge without character can be abusive. Knowledge without character can be highly arrogant. But knowledge with character shows up as love in the world. Knowledge with character says, I am continuing to grow and learn about the world that I live in, the issues and the problems of my world, the issues and problems of my community, the issues or problems in my family dynamic. I'm continuing to grow and evolve with that, with my awareness of that, with my knowledge of that, but in service to healing. Does that make sense? In service to something beyond just me. That is love, really, in action. That is the kind of love that is a transforming love. I have always been moved by these words of Martin Luther King Jr., that we live in a world of guided missiles and misguided men. And we live in a world of guided missiles and misguided men. We live, you've heard me say this many times before because I really believe it, we live in an exciting time. We have at our fingertips information that no generation before us had. Now we have to use discernment to make sure that it is accurate information, but we have at our fingertips the ability to research and expand and to understand like no other generation before us. And yet why is it that we are so much more technologically advanced than any other generation but we still haven't figured out how to create a more peaceful world. What is that about? I don't think it's about a lack of know-how. I don't think it's about a lack of information or knowledge, do you? Do you? So then if it's not a lack of knowledge, not a lack of information, what is, a, what is it a lack of? Conscience, character, Character that says, not just me and mine, but us, but we. 
And so this idea of knowledge with character, I think, is very much about continuing to become as knowledgeable as a person or as people as we possibly can be, but to use that knowledge in service of creating a more just environment for ourselves and for everyone else. I was listening to a broadcast on NPR this, this past week, I think it was this past week, and I heard of a story that really moved me. It was a story that um, happened about 100 years ago after World, War, after World War I. The women in Wales decided that they were going to write a petition to invite people to sign, women in particular, to sign, to say, we stand for a world of peace. We want to see peace on earth. 100 years ago, three quarters of the women in Wales signed that petition. The petition was then sent in a trunk over to our country to invite women and people here to sign this petition for peace. And somehow it's been recently discovered and it's back in Wales and there's something like 40,000 plus people who signed this petition. What's that about? I think it's about our shared desire to find a way to live in harmony with one another. But in order to do that, the knowledge alone is not enough. The character must be there. And so what does that mean for you and me? What does that mean for us to stand for something that can benefit the collective? What does that mean? It means I think we look and we ask ourselves, not with guilt or shame, but we ask ourselves, where and how am I living my life right now? And am I doing so? Am I using my skills, my knowledge, my wisdom, my intellect with character? Am I using it in a way that inspires others? How many of you have young children in your life? Either grandchildren, nieces, nephews, you teach. Come on, raise your hand. That's, I think there's more of you than are raising your hand. But... That's a powerful dynamic because what it means is that you and I, if we have young people in our life, we have the ability to influence in a positive way. We also have the ability to influence in a not positive way, but I'm not going to go there. We have the ability to be an inspiring example. How many of you have changed your life personally because you were inspired by someone or something? Raise your hand. Right? What if our destiny as people in unity, as people in new thought, what if our destiny is to be that for others all the time? To be that example, to take the knowledge and the skills that we have and to express them from a character that wants to wrap the world in love that expresses them in a character that inspires the very highest and best in the other. To be, as Gandhi would have said, or did say, to be the change we wish to see in the world. 
There's a story in Gandhi's life that speaks to this idea of the example that I want to be to others in my world, and maybe you'll relate to it as well. He was in his community, in his ashram, and a woman with a young boy came to him seeking counsel. And the woman asked Gandhi, would you please tell my son, he's eating too much sweets, he's eating too much candy, he's eating too much sugar, would you please tell him that it's not good for him, and would you please tell him to stop eating sugar? Think about that for a moment. Gandhi, right? But it comes down to stuff like that, right? It comes down to how do we live our life in the real nitty-gritty of it, whether it's your kids eating too much sugar or you lose your temper on the freeway or whatever it is. Our spirituality isn't just this lofty thing or this state that we experience in meditation. It's how do we take that, whether it's with our kid and sugar or anything else. So Gandhi asked by this mother, would you please tell my son to stop eating sugar? And Gandhi said to her, come back in two weeks. Two weeks. So she leaves. She comes back in two weeks. She says, would you tell my son to stop eating sugar? Gandhi says to her son, stop eating sugar. The mother looks at Gandhi and says, couldn't you have told him that two weeks ago? Gandhi said, no. Two weeks ago, I was still eating sugar. I remember, I still get God bumps when I, it's like, oh my God, what a clear and compelling example. I was eating sugar two weeks ago. To me, that is such a beautiful and inspiring example of closing the gap between what I know and what I do. And that is the gap that when we apply the knowledge that we have with character, we do, in fact, close that gap more and more. We don't have to be perfect. We can't be perfect. And maybe we can't even really do it as well as Gandhi did. But we can use it as an aspirational example and I think that any step we take in that direction is important. Any improvement that you and I make in being a more loving, more ethical, more values-driven, more moral person, every step in the, that direction that we make is important. We change the world, we change our world one thought at a time, we change the world one person at a time. And each of those changes in the right direction is a contribution to the collective whole. As I close, I want to share a statement, a comment in, in the book that really spoke to me. Let me go back and find it here. It is an idea that Esrawan was writing about when he was suggesting that the way that we apply knowledge with character in the world is to look at what changes can we make right now, right where we are, to live in a more compassionate way. Whether that is to live more compassionately, 
compassionately with regard to the environment or anything else? How can we live more aware? How can we live more compassionately? And he said, and then take a habit that you're going to change. We all know that we have habits that are not really good for us, right? Any of you still have habits that aren't good? He says, take a habit that you know is not really good for yourself and choose to work on that singular habit. And then he uses this example, and I, I was moved by it. He says, just as a heavy rock displaces a lot of water when dropped in a pail, a spiritually motivated positive habit can displace a raft of undesirable habits. What he's saying is, pick one. One, and it can displace a whole lot of the other negative bad ones. And so I invite you to kind of just be with me in this exploration of what is it to live your life with the knowledge that you have, but to really be about it in service to the greater collective good. We change the world one person at a time. And there's no question that our world needs each and every one of us doing what we can right where we are. Namaste.